Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Union 0430. This is episode 46. Ooh, I'm excited because we got Corey Baker on. It's been almost a year trying to get this dude on, and we finally got him. But we'll talk more about that in a sec. Introduce the boys. Guess what? Sorry, but Ryan isn't with us tonight. I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping everything's already. Just sent me a quick message saying he wouldn't be on tonight. I'm um, hoping, hoping everything's okay. Um, it's not like him to give a last minute, but uh, could be something uh, minor. COVID. But either way, we'll we'll bash on. Um, Dave's up in Concordia. Merck is still in Newfoundland. Philly is in Oshawa. And outside Kitchener, Ontario, the one and only, yeah, Corey. Location Baker. disclosed. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. That's all we can say. It's just outside yeah. Kitchener, just yeah. outside Kitchener, and that's all you're getting, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> buddy, thanks so much. I know I've been tormenting you to get you on, and I think I've you've either given up or I've actually beaten you down to the point that you just said, fuck it. Let's just get this done and over with. Finally, just give up, man. You just, (laughs) (laughs) oh man, like the guy just keeps emailing me, calling me, sending postcards. Like, how did you get my address, man? (laughs) It's like a bad (laughs) ex-girlfriend. Oh yeah. That's why I moved in the first place, man. (laughs) I knew. Yeah. I got to move again. Yeah, you're good, man. That's what makes yeah, you hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Hey. Uh, no, buddy, seriously, but uh, it is it is awesome to have you on. And I know uh, when I was telling the boys that I've been uh, back and forth with you trying to get a date squared away and stuff, um, the boys were excited. Um, first off, we got to say congratulations on becoming a dad, buddy. I know that's uh, you've got a lot to be happy and proud about. But uh, this one here, I, I promise you, it'll be uh, the best one ever. So uh, congratulations from me. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good change. It's uh, something we we're really looking forward to. I've always wanted a little mini-me running around and doing the same passions that I have, you know, hunting and fishing. Like, that's what I grew up on. And so now I got a little one and a little dude, especially. If it was a female, hey, she'd be out shooting all of us by the time she's six, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. he's a little little boy so i'm just really pumped about that because hey i already got told from the wife that i get to buy him a little 22 already so i'm going to pick that up asap i'm going to use it myself <laughs> for the next while of course <laughs> break it work. in you <laughs> yeah. break it in right yeah i'm gonna say it in yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. there's any excuse man to buy a new toy basically and now it's like now i can get little mini dirt bikes now and and do all those fun things that of course we've always all wanted to do when we were young so now it's Absolutely. finally like a chance to uh, experience all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome, man. Well, I am a super, super happy for you, and I know all the boys are too. Let's get right into it. I've got the boys. We got to do this again. We got to have this chat because I think I think there are people out there that that haven't listened to every episode, and they may have missed out on this. So I'm gonna start it, and then you guys chime in. You do not need to shoot at a turkey past 25 yards. There, I'm saying it. Off to you guys. I think 30 is acceptable. <laughs> yeah. We'll be but, in, uh, coach. You hit, the, you hit the nail on the head. Not much more to say. <laughs> yeah. If you're shooting past 20, you're doing something wrong. Well, 
so so again i get some of my best material from facebook and um Trust again <laughs> yeah so again uh, a fella puts on his puts a post out and and honestly like this this gentleman is honestly looking for some for some wisdom and some advice so he he puts up his first um he puts up his pattering so he's got his bird his pattering uh and and I, I think he says something like um four or 35 yards, and this is what my pattern is. What do you think? And so there's fellas that God love them, they were awesome. They were like, uh not enough, not enough pellets in the kill zone. Why don't you drop back to 25 or why don't you drop back to 20 or 25? And then and it comes all these fucking ass hats coming in. For nothing wrong with shooting them at 40 yards, nothing wrong with shooting them at 35 yards. Like, and I'm can I, uh, can I just say, like, ethically, nowadays with today's modern modes, they're efficient and effective out to those distances. But the whole fun of turkey hunting is that experience, it's that cat and mouse game, and getting them inside that 30 20 peck. We honestly haven't shot a bird past 15 yards, basically, in the last, like, 10 years. You put your decoys close, you shoot them right at your decoys. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. I had one come in to seven last year. Seven yards? To, and I didn't want to blow his head off, so I tried just to aim alongside of his head. Of course, I missed. And then he yeah. jumped up and he landed 15 yards away over there. And that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, my old man shot a shot a. I think it was a Jake a few years ago, and yeah, it was like legit six yards. Six yards. Yeah. <laughs> six well, yards. I don't think I would be. Actually, I'm pretty certain I wouldn't even be comfortable taking a shot at 35 yards, 35, 40 yards. I don't think I'd be comfortable at taking that shot. My, my question. Go ahead. I question how many of these people that talk about, Oh, I got it at 50 yards. Like what was your pattern? Did you even try it beforehand or was it just like a fucking hail Mary gold or, or are they horrible at judging distance, which is another possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I shot at 50 yards. You mean 15. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I shot a Tom, like this was back when I was running 12 gauges for turkeys and shooting a, Oh, I had the Jesus. Remington 1187 sure shot. So it already comes with the turkey choke and whatnot. And I think I was shoot. I was running three and a half inch shells, which oh, Christ, I'll never do that again. But yeah, like he was 52 or 53 yards. And like, as you guys know, I got, I got, you know, I'm nothing but legs and I legit paced it out. Oh yeah. At 50, 52 or 53 yards. And yeah, like yeah, that was a poke and a half, but like watching this bird and just, you know, gauging the size and the distance and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, I feel confident in making that shot. And then after the fact, you know, I reevaluated things after pacing it out and realized like, holy shit, that was a poke. I won't do that again. And mind you, a lot of times back then, I wasn't even using decoys. Like the vast majority of the turkeys I've shot have been without decoys. But now getting back into the decoy game, like last year and obviously now this year, like, I'll pace them out. I'll put those decoys out 15, 18 yards. And yeah, like shoot them in the face off your tiptoes. Like, 
and we've had this discussion on several accounts in regards to like duck hunting and stuff like, yeah, it's all fine and dandy. Yeah. I shot birds 40, 45 yards. Cool. I want to decoy them to 20 and 15. That's where I want to shoot. And, and for and, Turkey, especially with decoys, talk about like positioning them. We find it's a lot better to your advantage to put them closer because if that bird holds up, there's a lot of guys that'll put a decoy out 20, 30 yards. No, no problem with that. We personally put them at 10 to 15 yards so that yeah. if that educated bird ever holds up, he's that much closer to you. And that's and normally where. Which way do you face your decoys? It, for any Jake situation, he'll be facing dead on to us. Yeah. So that, that bird has to circle him. And then of course, yeah. put that I always, I always run, always run my turkey decoys, like not facing, like usually quartering to me, but not straight dead at me. But yeah, like I said, 15, 17, 18 yards quartering towards me. So yeah, like in the case, you know, if they come in and they want to kind of quasi hang up or they want to get in and get aggressive, you got to come around the face side of those birds. And yeah, yeah, it's good night, Irene, right? So one thing we've talked about with uh, duck and goose loads is some guys will pattern where they, they'll buy all of one type of shell and then they'll just change chokes out to see what it's like. And other guys will put a choke in and change different loads. And then another guy will change the chokes and the loads with Turkey ammo being as expensive as it is. How do you guys find the best way to pattern your shotgun is with all the different loads and chokes? Have friends that shoot the same gauges as you. That is the best option to have. We basically like we're shooting all the tungsten stuff. We're, we're patterning all those TSS loads. That's 50 bucks for a box of five. Yeah. I guess that's what I was trying to get at is that. It yeah. And, and so just meet up with friends, swap ammo. That's the best way we find. And, and we have a group of like three to four of us basically. So everybody buys two different types of shells and you provide whatever chokes you're bringing for your own guns. But most of us will run at least 15 different types of ammo through each gun that we're shooting. Now we're fortunate. Everybody in my group shoots 20 gauges. There's not a single one of us that doesn't run a 20 gauge for everything. Turkey, waterfowl, ducks, geese. It doesn't matter. We all run 20. So that makes it really convenient for all of us because we can just grab bags, you know, everybody put your keys into a jar and pull them out. So I was at a party like that once. Yeah, yeah, totally you, different though, right? Yeah, you went home by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody picked my keys. It's funny, there, there was a Shoeless Joe's in Brooklyn that used to do that sort of thing. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Your friend said. <laughs> so we, we talk about pattern loads. When you pattern a uh, any turkey load and you look at what would happen at 40 plus yards, people look at what's going to be in the kill zone, you know, the head neck area on all those patterns. And it, there's, I don't think there's a choke out there that can do it to hold them inside that kill zone at that distance. You're putting a fair bit of pattern in the meat. Right. And yeah. I don't like to eat shot out of my Turkey. Shoot, shoot archery. What? Uh, shoot them closer. <laughs> <laughs> shoot them closer but yeah, that's like, my main reason for shooting them close I don't like lead in my turkey breast yeah I think in, in fairness like like all five of us were of the generation where like we had to do the turkey course and mm -hmm. when, when I did the course 
Oh, shit. It would have been like 20 years ago, and I actually did it at CFB Borden. And they say like six pellets is the magic number. Well, sure. Like that, that's fine, Dan. Yeah, like closer to 20 as the magic number for, you know, hits on lethal, uh, like the lethal zone. But they say like, you know, when that bird comes working in, and like I run a diaphragm. That bird gets in nice and close. You know, you throw a couple of chirps in the diaphragm and he stands up straight and he gets that head up and you aim for the waddle. So basically if you see, you know, if you look at my my head and wrist is, you know, skin and head and the waddles being here and this being feathers, this is where you aim. Well, you're going to get some down into here and yeah, that's going to put you know, some pellets into the breast, right? And as, you know, Mark said, like, chewing on lead ain't so fun. Like, to that, all that, our lady that, listeners... Yes, Phil is that big. I was just gonna say, I was gonna say fucking forearms on him like a brook <laughs> trout. <laughs> the camera adds 10 inches. <laughs> I do I do believe there's a Ron Burgundy reference, but I can't come up with you it know right. what, Philly? Honest, honest to God, I know you've been sitting on the leather couch for the cat past little bit. But it really hit me today. I'm like, you need a bookshelf with some leather-bound books on it. What I need is a nice tweed jacket with leather leather you elbow patches. No, you should and, be wearing your fils. You should be wearing your filson jacket. That is upstairs. I actually, I'm thinking maybe in our next episode, I might relocate to the garage. The gay rush. Where are you now? Basement. I'm in the basement. This is the no smoking zone. Oh, right. There might there might be a Cuban involved in the next episode. You watch. Cor, um, I want to talk to you. Tell me about your best hunt of 2020, because so I I, I would assume that everybody that's watching this is familiar with you. That they may not know everything there is to know about you but they've seen your 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 photography work they've seen you know they've probably following you because you are somewhat of a big deal out there um tell us about your 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 favorite hunt of 2020 that honestly like that's a tough one uh because we we do hunt a lot me and the group of guys that we're with we are consistent hunters we're normally out there four days a week kind of thing on average throughout the season. And, and so we're, we're chasing after all different sorts of waterfowl and all locations. We just do a lot of scouting. And uh, I, I'm going to say probably one of my favorite ones from last year. And, and my buddy Andy's going to kill me on this one, but it was uh, out at one of our buddy Langer's properties. We, uh, it was just one of those combo hunts. There's three of us, an A-frame and a whole ton of uh, silhouettes out there. And we just stacked the field. I think we put out about 19 dozen that day and it was late season. So those big killer spreads are, are what we're loving to run. And uh, the three of us are just picking away on drakes all morning long. The geese were just not doing it. They were picking us out for one way or another. The geese were just always side shifting us. So we just kept smacking the ducks until we hit that limit. Then we readjusted the blind, moved our spread a bit. Then the geese just turned on and we started shooting these things. and. I've waterfowled now, I think 20, 21 years, and I've never physically seen somebody directly hit with a bird. 
and this was the day it actually happened. And, and it's horrible. And that's why I said, I'm, I'm sorry, Andy, already in advance, but because he got his ass handed to him. <laughs> and like you, we've all seen it online. You hear tons of yeah. people say, it, but until you witness it and you hear that. Oh, yeah, man. A big flock of Canada's. We got him straight in front on. We call the shot and I'm shooting. I see the guys over there shooting. I hear my buddy in the middle, Langer. He yells out, duck. So I look up and I see this goose coming right at me. So I duck down behind me. Realize there is a second bird falling as well. Andy's just about to swing on another bird, and all I hear is a loud, like low bass. Yeah, and just smash. And I look over, and there's Andy flat on his back, and like done, done. Like he he didn't get up. For a good five ten minutes, and then once he got his breath going, he was like, "Anybody have aspirin?" And, and honestly, like, and I filmed it, of course. And that of course. was that's I'm saving that video for later, just so when he does forget, I'll get to yeah. pass that thing out, throw it up on the Instagram, and have a laugh. But in amongst us dying of laughter, we did ask him if he was all right. He was breathing, so we knew he was fine. That's all you need. Like, He's as good. an adult, if you're breathing, I'm like, you're good, man. You're good. Yeah. You, you can walk it off. Yeah. Continue the hunt. You know, don't stop it. Like, he's fine. I, uh, we were out west. We were out west a couple years ago and, uh, we were shooting snows. And one of those shots, you know, when the snows are just, you know, they're thick, you fire one shot and you knock two birds, you hit two birds. Well, Matt Neville was, in the blind right next to me. So I shot and two birds and Matt's looking at two birds coming at him. And he's like, what do I do? So, so he moved out of the way of one, but the, he was getting hit with one regardless. And it hit him in the shoulder. And buddy, he was, he was hurting, man. Like yeah. it. <laughs> like Andy took it. Straight face <laughs> chest. Giant <laughs> in Canada. Like we're talking like 14 yeah. pound bird. Like, yeah. Coming from 30 yards above you, dead fall. Like when, when yeah. that thump went off, but he got back up and his shooting was actually pretty damn subpar <laughs> after that. <laughs> I still remember because you feel sorry for the guy at that point. So then we're like, okay, it's a single, like you take him on your side, Andy. And it's like, whack, whack, nothing, nothing. And then he just, <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> Andy's not one to miss. Like that man. Shoot, shoot for the middle bird yeah exactly. yeah that boy is no slouch on those 20 gauge double guns that he runs all the time and so to see him miss we're just like okay that did actually rattle him like <laughs> all right like you can sit down and wait for the next few right <laughs> but that one had to be one of one of the favorite ones from the season it was uh we like to travel a lot and we didn't get much of that in this year of course with everything yeah. going on like yeah. uh, I have a lot of friends that are stateside and, and normally I'm traveling down there with them. They're coming back up here. So that's the whole interaction we love. And this year it was just none of that, of course. So it was like, we stuck to our core little group. Yeah. We hunted local, but we still had a blast at all of it, but I did miss out on like the Brant hunt and the Eider hunts that were all planned, New York diver hunts, all that was canceled this year. So it was just, yeah. that was a bit of a lunch bag letdown, but the rest of the season though, like, I think we shot probably some of the most birds we've shot in numerous years. Maybe that was because we really focused on sticking around instead of spending that time traveling and then scouting. 
quite. We uh we had a, it was another banger year. I think we made me and Andy did one batch of pepperettes and uh shit, I think it was 120 pounds of pepperettes we did up just on one batch. Yeah. Lord. So, yeah, we're eating well. Zesty cheddar. Oh best zesty. flavor in the world. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am hoping one of these days I will get out in your neck of the woods and bring my 20 gauge along. You that's all that's allowed uh, and, actually out here anyway. And, and so. the camera. Obviously. Yeah, I was I was wondering how long it was gonna be before Philly dropped the fact that he shoots a 20 gauge. <laughs> Don't hate. <laughs> Don't hate. Well, he's a new 12, buddy. If there's, a, there's, a, there's a reason why I own five of them. Yeah, hey, I, I would shoot, I would shoot a 20. Honestly, I I just don't have I just, it's not in the cards to buy one yet. Um, but I, hey, Dave, so... oh, Dave, yeah. you just bought a new 20 gauge for Abby, right? Yeah. So my daughter gets to hunt this year and she's fairly petite. And I was going to get her like a 410 or a 28 gauge because she's small, right? And then but they're not legal for turkey. So got her a 20 gauge and we'll see how that goes. Wow. I got myself a 20 gauge of shooting years, <laughs> yeah. right? The Franke Affinity Elite. Very nice. nice. It's a yeah. it's a nice gun. I got it yeah. from uh, Wolverine Supplies there. They oh, ship yeah, it. Good. Those yeah. guys are good. They're good. Yep. Hey, yeah. anybody can shoot a 12 gauge. It yeah. takes, a re- takes a real man to use a 20. And honestly, I'm with you, man. the difference between a 12 and a 24 efficiency, knockdown power, everything is all in the shooter. The, the 12, you're going to be able to – everybody's a good shot with a 12-gauge. You drop down to a 20-gauge. No. No. no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> so We just want to make sure this. that everyone knows that not everything we say on this show is factual. This has been fa- like Facebook fact-checked. Yeah. yeah. I, I knew a guy, short period, I knew him for, and uh, he's always shooting 12, three and a half. Doesn't matter what, that's what he's shooting. You can go out for pigeons, 12, three and a half. And so him shooting with us a bunch, he was finally kind of convinced to run a 20. He phoned us up the, I think it was the first hunt. He went on by himself with this 20 he picked up and he phones me and he's like, I shot four boxes of shells and killed two ducks. He's like, this gun sucks. And it's like, no, 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 that is not the gun. Like, And he even tried to sell me the gun because he's like, no, oh, this thing's garbage. It's not the gun. It's it's the fact that you have half that pa- pattern that you used to. When you're throwing 12, three and a half, there's like an ounce and a half loads right okay. there. Okay, fucking pattern like this at 50 yeah. yards. Yeah, like 20 gauge, I'm lucky to find what, like an ounce and a 16th, I think is one of the heaviest, besides going bismuth and tungsten. One and a 16th ounce, I think, is one of the heaviest loads that we can find in a 20. And that's the Winchester blindsides, which wow. my gun I loves. Thought they, I thought they were one ounce. No, no, they're uh, even, the 16th. Yeah, I, I even had the box right behind me. Probably I could be rude and just yeah. run and grab it, but I'm pretty sure it's like an ounce in a 16th and uh, duck crushing power, man. Well, I've used those things on everything from eiders down to giant Canada's. Yeah, number two, three inch, it's all you need for everything. Now, yeah. do, you, do you use blind sides because you don't like to cut corners? i see what you did there yeah that 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 was smart yeah is that like a dad joke right there (laughs) i'm not a dad so (laughs) but that's that that's pretty good though that 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 is pretty good yeah i like that waiting on that one but i've i've (laughs) i've had zero issues like 
I remember I was doing a field shoot. I took a young fella out uh, on a field shoot this past fall. Like he was just kind of getting into getting into the field shooting waterfowl and stuff. So I'm like, dude, come on out. I'll take you out, man. We'll go crush some birds. And for whatever reason, just, you know, typical waterfowl, like, you know, we're doing the field shoot. We change decoys fucking six, seven times. And we just couldn't quite get the birds to work right in the kill hole and, you know, do it dirty at like 15 yards. And this one poor goose comes skirting like the edge of the kill hole. And he was 40 yards. And I said to my buddy, I'm like, dude, like, screw this. Like, I'm lacing this bird. And I jumped up, 20 gauge, 40 yards, folded it, done. And he sat up and looked at me. He's like, I can't believe you just did that. I'm like, dude, 20 gauge shoot just as fast as a 12. But just that's, less pellets. Yeah, that's that's what always, that's what the misconception right then is like everybody thinks, oh, 20 gates are less power, they're less this, you got to get them closer. The efficiencies and everything about them ballistic-wise is all the same. It is just a matter of how many pellets you have in that package. Yeah. So. Well, I shoot 10 times better with the 20 over yeah. the 12. Same. That's that's why all of us run 20s. There's no recoil. The guns are lighter. Yeah. And like the no recoil thing is what makes us that much better shooting because – we don't your, have your to take yeah, yeah, your, your follow-up follow shots are just yeah. lethal. Like the thing is a toy. When you shoot those things, they just stay still. There is no none of that jump. You especially just especially if you're shooting a semi. Yeah. 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 Which I'm a big fan of. Well, I was I started actually uh the big kick when I changed over to 20s. I was running my over-under because that's was my one waterfowl gun that I actually had that was uh working really well for me. And two shot, then I got into I love that third shell on geese hunts because oh, yeah. you really stack up those early season limits with that one extra shell, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're running the Cordoba, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, Cordoba, I've got the... and then this year, this year I actually uh, ran uh, the Mossberg SA-08. Yep. Or SA-20, I should say. SA-20. I ran that one because there's always that stigma that they're not reliable, everything like this. That gun was rock solid. From start of season to the very last day, and mm-hmm. I love shooting the thing. It never had a hiccup on me, so it was like. Well, it's it's funny. Bird. It's funny you say that with like, with Mossberg. Is there's a number of like for all the law enforcement agencies out there that run shotguns. The va- obviously the vast majority of the guys run eight seventy um, tactical. Yeah, like like the Parker eyes. Like they're mm-hmm. they're slightly beefed up version of the 870 like better components and stuff but at the end of the day it's still an 870 mm-hmm. and it's got the parkerized for parkerized finish so it doesn't rust and whatnot but there's also a lot of agencies that run the mossberg as their tactical pump shotgun and if a police service is going to rely on a mossberg pump shotgun then i'd say for any weekend warrior that's out there smashing some birds and stuff it'll do just fine yeah, no, it uh, it, it really put like changed my gears on that stuff because that, as I said, that thing shot like a dream for me, shouldered really well, and reliability at par with my Benelli. And I will be honest with that one, but I clean my guns though. There's number one, I, I'm not one of those guys that puts that gun away in the safe and oh, oh I'll clean it at the end of the season. Those are tools. I take care of all my tools, whether it's my wrenches, my drills. My guns, they're just a tool for me. So 
every hunt, I would take that thing apart and clean it. It takes five minutes. Stand stand by one second. We're going to have a (laughs) fucking training moment here. I have the same gun as you. I got a Weatherby SA-08 20 gauge. Yep. Yep. So, and I find that's, that's a hundred to 120 round gun. What the fuck happened? So, so we, we are fortunate to be filming live here in Phil's fucking basement. I have this stuff here. It's called G fucking 96. Spray this shit on your fucking choke tubes. I put that shit on everything. Fucking exactly. That's cologne. When you buy when you buy a gun, strip that bitch apart. Spray this shit on it. Oh, your choke tube's fucking stuck? It's because you're a retard. Take the fucking thing out when you buy the gun and bring it home and spray a little bit of this in it. Spray the action bars. Spray fucking everything and shit will work. Wow, way to way to open up that can, Corey. Oh, okay. I, I just I just got a text message from my wife. Apparently it was too loud. Well, yeah, and oh, you're oh. and you're yelling at everybody. Holy oh. You angry tonight. <laughs> yeah, and, you're, and you're yelling look at out, everybody. Look out. Sorry, sorry, sweetheart. I was just making a point. You know they sell uh, choke choke lube as well, right? You don't need that shit. I don't clean my guns. I clean my guns at the at the end of the year. No, oh, and I've seen you shoot. That thing's like a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> that was my old gun. Hey, remember yeah. that you remember that old that part that you said where it's not the gun when yeah. the guy was missing? Yeah, I, I can guarantee you it was the gun for me. I promise you. Um, we talked about that. It was a three and a half inch shells because they don't make four. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that and you know what? I did. Um, I did drop from the three and a half inch shell and drop down to the down to the three inch. And and honestly, it did make a huge difference in uh, in shooting. Just dropping that half inch shell made a huge difference apparently, what are you laughing at phil these, apparently with these stupid earbuds and i can't realize how loud i'm yelling <laughs> so the wife just messaged me she's like holy you angry tonight i'm like sorry hon i was just making a point and she's like a very loud full cursing one <laughs> yeah. everybody hears i'm just tired of these posts my choke tube stuck did you clean your gun probably not okay so we talk about it's not the gun, it is the gun, all that stuff. When you get a new gun, how much time do you guys spend actually fitting that gun to you? Like there's that little bag and it has shims in it. How much time do you guys put into that? And what effort do you do into that? Zero. I don't know I, how I, to fit the gun to me. Zero. So I, unless some, I do that before I leave the store. But well, I don't know how to do it. Do you know what I mean? So unless... Because you're new for these. Mm. Uh, this is true. Yeah, I know how to do it. Yeah, but <laughs> I I don't know how to do it. So um, when I took out when I got the the Beretta, I took it out and uh, shot some pigeons with it, and you know clay pigeons, and wherever I pointed it, the kids that the pigeons blew up. So then I went bird hunting, and when I pointed it at birds, birds died. And tabernacle uh, oh. one. I just wasn't sure how much effort people to actually put into those things. Right. Like I see them and I myself go through the steps, but I'm left-handed. So I just make sure. Right. But so you're not sure. right. 
that's, that's yeah. what, so that's what I'm going to have to do with Kate. So Kate is left-handed. Um, so when it comes time to buy his 20 gauge, well, which I thought was going to be my 20 gauge, but because he's a lefty now, that's, that's, and get a, bit, that's a big misconception. It's got nothing to do with what hand you are. It's what no, eye you are. Under, then you can both run it. What'd you say, Corey? Go over under. Uh, Buy over under, then you both can shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Worry uh, about ejections. Or Browning BPS, it ejects on the bottom. Yeah. It, it's that's yeah. that's my favorite. Ithaca. Yeah, that's an old school one. Yeah. I, I have it in fairness. Legal. It's got nothing to do with what if you're left-handed or right-handed. It's got to do with your eye dominance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. 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 I'm talking about. I'm talking about which way it ejects and shit like that. Um, Corey, I wanted to touch I, on. We, you know we, what? We, I wow. think that we need to touch on that, Phil, because that brings up a valid point about. Thank you, David. I think that was a good thing. That is a great topic for our listeners. I, I do have the odd. Damien. The odd. The odd. Carry on as you were. Yeah. So it's something that isn't very much talked about in that people are like, oh, I'm holding my gun on my right side, but I found out I'm left eye dominant, or I'm a left handed guy. I got a gun, I'm putting on my left side, but they're actually right eye dominant. So the correct thing to do, and it's going to feel weird at first, but shoot to the side that you're dominant on, right? For your eyes. It will feel weird. But first off, figure out which eye is your dominant eye. And how and do we go about there, doing that? There's a trick about that. So we're, we're going to have another educational moment. This time I won't yell or swear. Um, oh, you can swear. Well, yeah. It it's not as loud. Time. You wouldn't be Phil if you weren't yeah, swear. Yeah, yeah, I've already gotten shit from my wife. So, anyways, so for those that are trying to figure out whether they're left eye dominant, right eye dominant, whatever the case may be, look at an object in the distance. And if you take your hands, make like a little triangle, you make a big triangle, make a little triangle, whatever they, whatever you want to do. Make triangle, point that object, point, you know, said triangle at the object in the distance. Keep that object centered in said triangle and bring that, you know, the triangle back to your face. As you're bringing the triangle back to your face, keeping that object centered out in the distance, you will naturally track it to your dominant eye. So as I sit here and look out, okay, like, you know, like I'm in my unfinished basement. So there's like little nails in the, the, the fuck's it called? A wall? Insulation. Oh. There we go. There's little nails in the fucking insulation. Guys, what am I looking at? We don't know. <laughs> right? Hold on. Let me turn it around. I had, a, I had a fucking brain fart. So anyways, so as I look at one of the nail heads here in, in the insulation, I keep said nail head centered in the triangle. I bring it back to my eye. Obviously, it tracks naturally back to my right eye. I already know that I'm right eye dominant. If it tracks to your left eye, your left eye dominant, you have to shoot off your left shoulder. It's got zero, zero to do whether you're left-handed or right-handed. That's not the issue. It's your eye dominance. And that's where you have to buy your gun according to, like, and Nick, some people will, you know, buy, because obviously, like, lefties will, lefties, just aren't right so left left side you know eject guns are you know few and far between but you can buy right hand eject guns and have them cast to a left hand shooter are you, and are you somebody's hmm? okay go keep going you can buy a right right hand eject gun and have it cast to a left hand shooter a lot of these firearms have 
reversible safety so you can actually have the safety switched out so when you push forward with your left index finger it disengages the safety and then you can fire the gun and, and so forth these are things you need to take into consideration i being a left-handed guy i just want to add if you don't know what you're doing don't change that don't change that safety over on your own the um a left-handed gun it a right-handed gun won't shoot them directly in your eyes they go out in front. You'll see. Um, the they, only they reason go, that I went that way, yeah, go that way. Not the only way. reason I went and bought a left-handed gun is because I was so used to the guys in the blind beside me shooting their empty shells at me that I got a left-handed gun to shoot them back. That's all it is. <laughs> well, do you guys uh, just for, out of curiosity? Do you guys all shoot with both eyes open? I do. I shoot with both, but I, that's the way I was taught to shoot. I was taught to shoot with both eyes open. So it's yeah. just common. That's just, it's muscle memory for me. Yeah. I always shoot with both eyes open. Rifle, shotgun, pistol, whatever. What about you guys? I want to say, uh, like shotgunning any birds. I think I have both my eyes open. <laughs> yeah. You know what you think about it? You don't think about it. I know. Yeah. That's it. it. It happens so natural. I know I was taught both eyes open. Mm -hmm. But at this part, it is just all muscle memory. And I shoot That's guns right. throughout most of the days. Like tomorrow morning, I'm waking up to go do a bird removal for work. And like that is with a lot of my different shotguns, things like this. And so it's like I shoot a lot. So all of a sudden, when you actually step back and go, well, what do you do? Mm -hmm. like, well, that's, that's a tough one. What Do I close my eyes? <laughs> yeah. All I same as Corey. Like I can't, I want to say I have both open, but I think I closed one. I think I closed my right. So if I, if I'm, if, if, if I'm going to water spot a bird, I, I will close an eye just to make sure that I, I, I go right on, you know, how, cause they're harder to fucking shoot when they're on the water. Right. Um, so I find they're, they're not moving. It shouldn't be harder. Well, it, it's not that they're harder to shoot. It's dude, that they're, it's the aiming point. People yeah, don't understand that. Wait, so to well, me, it, I, this to brings me, up it's, another it's, good point. <laughs> it's harder to shoot birds on the water for me. Like I find they do, like I'll miss a bird on the water more than I'll miss a bird in the air. So this brings up another good point. Where do you aim at a bird when you're trying to dispatch it on the water? That's a cripple. What? Waterline. Turkey shoot that thing every day. I aim. So if the birds, like whether the birds broadside, chest on, whatever, you draw a straight line from its noggin into the water. And where that line meets the water is where I aim. Puts half the pellets straight into the kill zone. Anyway, we're here okay. to talk about Corey. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Damien. <laughs> so if Corey was floating in the water and I had to shoot Corey. Hey, Corey. So, uh, so we touched a little bit on it um, before we started recording. And, and now that you're, you're sort of rural, well, I'm not sort of rural. You are rural. Um, you've got some property and stuff. And I know last week you had some issues with some, and well, they were minor issues because you took care of them swiftly, but some predator control and, and stuff like that. And I, I want to, I, I want you to, because you're in that business of nuisance animals and taking care of animals and, or 
getting rid of animals that pose problems. And now you're doing predator control on your own property. For anybody that's a non-hunter that may actually listen to this show, can you explain the importance, not only from a safety aspect of your own pets, but the importance of predator control? So prime example for that, uh, getting a property has been mine and the wife's dream forever. Like that's, that's probably all of our dreams, you know, walk out mm-hmm. your door, venture into wilderness. That That's probably most of our dreams. So when we got this property, the, the first thing in my head was I can go back to my childhood, younger days, you know, those youthful days, running bunnies on your own property, you know, uh, mm-hmm. going after squirrels, all those small game things that we probably take it like, Basically, we just don't take advantage of anymore because we're all into those waterfowl, turkey, this and this. Step back and do those small things on my own land was one of our dreams. And within the first two days of owning this place, walking around, we noticed there's no rabbits. And like we have prime habitat. I have big brush piles. I got creek drainages, hardwood, pine, everything you can think of for mixed vegetation, but no rabbits. There were squirrels. All the rest was coyote traps. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, when we stepped in here, it's like, all right, there, there is a bunch of coyotes and we're in an area where, yeah, there's normally like I've done quite a bit of hunting in this area over the years. So I know what's around for the most part, but when we moved in, we weren't ready for how many there were. And, wow. uh, we took possession in December and within the first week, it was like, we counted like a dozen different coyotes on the trail camera and looking at our windows, seeing them all day long. And Coyote activity, for the most part, should be first light, last light. During those daytimes, they shouldn't have anything to do with us for the most part. But I would look out my window, noon, there'd be coyotes mousing through the fields. And uh, the property we took over, there wasn't anybody in there for like a year. So at first it was like, okay, they're used to nobody being in this house. This is their territory, Mm -hmm. which was fine. Then... We start, again, no rabbit tracks. Then we start seeing a bunch of the different squirrels killed off. Then I start seeing a bunch of geese and ducks being chased around. As I'm scouting them out my window, these coyotes are chasing after those same birds. So I was like, okay, I, I got to actually take care of these things. So got myself a nice little uh, package rifle going there, nice 22 250, and just started calling them in and hammering everyone I could. And uh, I've shot eight out here already. And, uh, and that's just off my 110 acres, whatever's coming through. And majority of them, I've called them because that's the whole fun of it. I, I don't want to just shoot something just for the fact of shooting it. I love the interaction, the actual skill of setting up, calling them in. And mm-hmm. so I found that new passion. And I never really did that all these years. I never really got into predator hunting the way I am now. And when you have one of these dogs running at you full tilt, it's adrenaline pumping and it got me hooked on it. And uh, so we started, me and my buddies all started getting calls and started coyote hunting now around. And uh, I myself am a licensed trapper, fur bearer. So we take a bunch of our own stuff, flush it, do all that kind of stuff. I have friends that actually will take them from us. They'll yeah. do all that work. Everything yeah. that we're harvesting, shooting throughout the season is getting used. So basically from December until February, we started hammering pretty good out here to the point where we're not seeing them every single day. 
trail cameras are showing they're coming through at night. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. they're learning. We can work with that then. Again, I can coexist with everything until it starts stepping on things that I'm trying to do out there. And so basically within February, we start seeing rabbit tracks. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, and, and so we're like, this actually might be working. Mm -hmm. We now, every morning, I wake up and I'll see my, my resident rabbits running through my yard. That's and, awesome. Uh, and, and so right away, I'm like, that's a big change. And yeah. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I like to think that it's because we're putting proper checks on these populations. Yeah. So, and so a couple of things. Yeah. I think, I think managing those, those predators and, and also realizing that I don't know what your spring was like, but we didn't have a ton of snow. So we didn't have a, a heavy melt of a, of a ton of water having to worry about killing babies um, as they're in the borough, right? So we didn't have to worry about a bunch of baby rabbits drowning. Um, and this could be their upcycle year too, right? So it could be their year where now we're, where they'll start coming back in, in large numbers again. Yeah. And, but I think um, by taking out those, it, it is a fine balance between that, that food chain, right? And, and if you don't, if you were to leave it alone, then those dogs, then those dogs is only going to end up with mange and end up sick and diseased because they're not going to be able to, the ecosystem can't feed that many, that many animals, right? Yeah. Overpopulation will take control of itself one way or another. That's right. And but it usually results in disease. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot worse yeah. than a humane, efficient kill, that kind of thing. And yeah. it's always tough to explain that to non-hunters. Um, but that was also the thing that just sort of like opened my eyes up to this was fur prices are down. And, and I talked to this gentleman that processes a lot of our fur for us. And I said, like, I like, what's the passion behind this? How are you still keeping going with this? And he said, honestly, he goes, sure, we're not processing for jackets anymore and much clothing. What they're doing now, though, is people want them for art. People want that wall hanger to right. make it their rustic home now. And so mm -hmm. there's still a call for it. So he still, that's his job, is he deals with fur. He's a wildlife yeah. man. So he deals with some nuisance animals on the side, but his main thing is trapping and skinning things still. And, and wow. to see, okay, so there's still a market. And, and I have a lot of friends that are city folk, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Toronto bound, a lot of them. And it shocked me this year. They were the first ones to be calling me, messaging me, wanting those being like, Hey, can you process for me? I want one of those. And, and so it just, when they see that you're not wasting anything, it, it sort of brings that new light to it then. Then it's not a matter of we're not just killing things. We are, again, keeping things in check, harvesting these animals, and we're utilizing as much as we can of that animal. And, and then so from that aspect, then it's also like, like we we're going to touch base on last Friday, you mentioned there, I walk out my door. And here's three coyotes within seconds, basically, of me getting my dog inside the house right in my backyard. And, and that's when I took it personal because 
doing this job over the years, uh, I work with my dog. She's my little service dog. She's with me pretty much daily. We've been chased twice now by coyotes. So I know when a coyote is pursuing us for the most part. And, and I even have video from my window of these two dogs basically stalking through my backyard towards us. And, and so then it was just, okay, well, enough of that. And yeah. uh, I, I ended up dealing with them though. And uh, it's still exciting, but uh, it's, it's one of those things. And sadly, I, I just like shooting them this time of year because their pelts aren't going to be worth anything. But when they are encroaching on you and your safety, then, then it's just a matter of, well, I want to make sure I'm on one on top. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really, I really like that idea or I like that mentality that um, the whole fur industry, you know, the people think that it's going the way to Dodo and there's not much interest in it, but like you look at, so, so you're a fur bearer, look at uh, Brian McRae, who's still trapping, trapping beaver, like a lot. Yeah. Um, doing a ton of it um there's fellas uh, on on my social media that's still doing it so there is still a market for it there is still people that that want it i think i would i would love to have some but um just on that subject real quick when you mentioned beaver so i i started trapping some beaver this year as well uh there's a, a neighbor that has a little 10 acre plot right next to me mm-hmm. he's had this property since the 70s he's hand planted majority of the trees out there the problem is, is there's an overabundance of beaver back there that have basically clear cut them this year. Yeah. So he knew right away, uh, we're out in the country. The second I moved in here, yeah. everybody within miles knew that I was the trapper. Yeah. So I, we literally had different farmers coming up, introducing themselves to us and then telling us, oh, careful, there's a lot of coyotes around here just to let you know so you know what you're dealing with. So it was like, hey, I love my neighbors. Um, yeah. <laughs> this gentleman with the beaver issue, he asked, hey, can you help me? So, of course, I'm going to help you out. So yeah. I ended up removing quite a few beavers. One of them, 56 pounds, like giant. So that's a, that, that's a big beaver. Yeah. Yeah. Impressive. And, and the worst <clears throat> part was I had to drag it all the way out of the bush, like probably a good 600 yards. Wow. So the next year investment is an ATV because I'm not walking anymore doing that stuff. Oh, but, do so back to the beaver. So I brought that thing over to the gentleman that does all the skinning for us on these things. Cause I know he's going to utilize that, bring it up to the fur harvest. In North Bay. And I asked him, I said, so what are you getting out of these beavers now? And, and it was funny because he goes, the value of the fur, eh, it, it's, it's not going to make you rich. But what is, is fur prices dropped. There's less people trapping beavers, which has brought a rise and increase in the castor gland. Oh, really? That castor gland is used for numerous things. And and me and the better half, we were laughing because we started research more into this stuff. You always got to be expanding the knowledge there. And we start realizing castor gland is used for a lot of artificial flavoring vanilla, strawberry extracts in your ice creams in different things like really yeah so when it says artificial flavoring a lot of times that's going to be a castor gland and just natural yeah all natural for for, for lack of a better term it's beaver (laughs) beaver nuts yeah juice yeah and and so it's used in your perfumes your high-end perfumes it's used for but it has a, a, a vanilla odor 
it's the oddest thing, but because of the lack of fur being harvested, it skyrocketed those caster prices. So now you're making money off of the fur still. And now you're making an increase off these caster glands. So it's like, yeah, you're going to see a huge decrease in those trappers nowadays. There is still a life, uh, a passion at least that's running and it's still out there. It's just, again, it's not as bragged about anymore. But again, I, I think that's honestly coming back around and uh, everybody's sort of going back, you know, back in time now where trapping, harvesting your own food, uh, gardens, yeah, everything yeah. has been increasingly popular as a way of life now because everybody's trying to sort of get away from modern grocery stores and all this and they're sort of stepping back. So now all of a sudden that light on trapping is now yeah. coming back. It's not as as problematic as it was back in the day you know fur is murder that that's sort of on the wayside now thankfully so it's uh one of those things where it gives us hope at least i like to say yeah have um, you ever cooked, have you ever cooked oh. a beaver tail like steven ronella talks about no i have not i've had beaver roast though way yep. way back at one of those hunting uh meals there where everybody sort of brings different things i've had beaver that way yeah um but no not a tail yet <laughs> so i haven't been that hungry let's be yeah. honest <laughs> he calls it a delicacy right it's like oh well, yeah i'll try it, it. i'll try yeah. it that guy's eating monkeys so yeah. I, 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 I draw the line there yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know um cory it'd be a little remiss to do a show with you and not talk about photography um, because as passionate as you are a hunter, and I think it goes hand in hand. I think it, it one, one plays off the other, but, um, I, I could, I'm pretty confident to say that, uh, of all the social media, you know, you are it for, for us in Ontario and, and you're like, I'm seeing your work now at DU dinners, um, on, on calendars, you know, you're out there, your, your work is, is amazing. Um, you know, you're not getting, you're not filthy rich off it yet, but it's only a matter of time. Um, you know, how does, how does, I, I think I, and I, I sort of kind of played into it. One plays off the other. So two passions that you can knock off as Ricky would say, get two birds stoned at once. So, from way back in the day, I was uh, introduced to the photography, and that was uh, a big thing on my father. He was always running around with the camera, no matter what, fishing. We were always outdoors, and I think that's why I'm such an outdoorsman now is because I was brought up in that lifestyle. But he always had that camera with him. So I basically, once I really got into the outdoor stuff on our own, uh, you know, you hit that 16 years, you're out the door, you're gone. I realized at first I wasn't doing any photos and it felt like something was missing to me. And then I started thinking back, I'm like, okay, like what's, what am I missing? And I, and I picked up just one of those back in the day, digital cameras, uh, just an old school one little lens that popped out, started taking photos. And, and at that point realized, okay, I actually have an eye for it. And it sort of, that light went on in my head and I went, there's more to hunting than just, shooting things, celebrating with buddies and running home, I like to soak it all in. And, and photography for me is, is that outlet that allows me to take my time. And, and all my buddies laugh because it's like, 
any new person that comes into our group for a hunt because we love hunting with new people. Anybody that comes around, second that shooting stops, they're all getting excited. Okay, so we're going to pack everything up. And, and my buddy Andy or Lang are always are like, oh, give it 45 minutes still. <laughs> photos, like, let's get everything perfect. They're like, we're, we're not leaving yet until all those ducks are in a row, you know. And, and it's the appreciation of more than just the harvest, you know. It, yeah. It's something that, again, you it's sort of simmering that hunt. You slow it down. You sort of take everything in all together. And the photography side of it now is I can look back at all those hunts. You know, the older I get, the more I'm forgetting, but I can look back 10, 15 years now and look at those different photos and immediately I'm taken back to that time. Like I still have, I was just showing the, the better half that the other night, first goose I ever shot. I still have a photo of that. And, and I still remember running that Mossberg bolt action 12 gauge on that bird. Homemade layout blind with my other buddy. And, and I'm still there. And that was 20 something years ago. I still remember shooting my first wood duck, throwing my gun down and just running full tilt. <laughs> uh, getting back and right away, my dad's like, so what did you do with your gun? Like, okay, learning experiences. I still have that photo of that duck to remind myself of all those adventures. And like, I don't remember what I did last week if I didn't take a photo of it at this point. So, <laughs> so and and through that is, is how you guys got to know me basically is actually through my photography. Yeah. And I got invited back to camps that you guys were all part of back in the day. And it was literally because of my photography side of things, because I took those extra 10 minutes, which is 10 minutes to me, but probably an hour and a half to everybody else, realistically, is I took that time to appreciate it, take those photos. I want to make sure every shot in my head, I always go make that shot count. Don't just take a photo with your feet half in it and you're pointing that camera down take those few minutes, set it up on a tripod, like 99.9% mm -hmm. .9 of my photos that I'll post on any social media pages are ones that I took. They all have me in them, but I've gotten really good at using self timers, tripods, and, and I've lost two cameras now into rivers and lakes because my tripod's fallen over and uh, that never ends well. I can tell you, there's a mad dash in waders mm -hmm. trying to grab those cameras out of the water, but it's like, there's there's still ways to do it and then again i look back at each one of those photos and i and not to toot my own horn i love them you know yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing to do is just reminisce and look back and especially right now off season yeah that's all i'm doing is looking back at my last year's hunts and those kind of hunts from previous and, and again it just takes you right back there and uh just take that time those few minutes and you can make great quality and even now with your cell phones nowadays yeah uh, like there's there's no reason you can't take some half decent real nice shots that's going to help you appreciate and remember mm -hmm. those moments from down the road and uh and i'm just in that fortunate position where people actually like to share my stuff so and i love that and uh and i just love seeing that work because i knew i took my time to take it and and other people are appreciating that same stuff so which yeah which, man i know i know way back first when i started this uh this crazy idea of punisher waterfowl i can remember saying hey buddy can i steal some pictures from you and you were like yep you tell me what you want and i'll send it to you right now and yep. uh my inbox filled up fairly quick with a with a whole ton of pictures from you i don't want to take uh dave i do know that you had a bunch of questions that you wanted because dave is dusted off the old camera yeah pull the right yeah. <laughs> so take it from a guy that 
just about to go to Disney 10 years ago. So he buys a Canon Rebel T5. Okay. I mean, not even the T5i, the T5. And now he's out in the world growing up, taking pictures of ducks and geese and having fun with it. What point does a person need to upgrade their camera equipment and where would you start upgrading? The point is where you're not happy with your photos that you're getting. For one reason or another, if you, in your mind, you take that photo, you look at it at home on a computer and you go, ah, crap. If you're just going to be happy with, ah, crap, then that's where you'll stay. But generally, most people want to expand, want to get better and better and work towards something. That's where upgrading is going to come into play. And uh, it all depends on what level you want. If you want to go to stuff where your photos could be a chance for magazines and, and different advertisements and all these kind of things, you're not going to have, you're not going to want to do it with just a cell phone or a Polaroid camera. You're going to need to step up there. So it all depends on what levels you want to get into it. And, and let's be honest, like everything we do, the second you buy into something, there's always that better version that you're going to strive to get that. So set yourself a budget, try to find, and, and nowadays it's, it's a lot easier than when I even got into it 15 plus years ago kind of thing. That passion was, we didn't have the internet to tell us the 10,000 different reviews on different products, you know, all the goods and the bads. We had Canadian tire catalogs and seers back then, and you just had to take your word for somebody that you've never met. At least now, with those 10,000 reviews, you can sort of streamline what you want in that price range. And there's so many different options out there nowadays where, and, and fortunately, technology has changed. So those cameras that used to be five, $6,000 for those bodies, now you can buy that technology for five, $600 now. And it all depends, again, do you want to blow up that photo to be a giant thing or are you just going to put it on social pages or print it off and put it into your photo album if anybody still does that? I don't know if that's even a thing anymore. Scrapbook. But it comes down to like your megapixels on your photo quality. And then the if you're sticking to more of a base body, strive to get a little better quality lens. But again, now with technology out there, most of these new bodies, you're going to be miles above anything old school anyway. So you can pair it with a more cost-effective lens out there being like Sigmas, things like this. So those, it's not an off-brand, but it's not a Nikon or a Canon, but you can get that quality for hundreds of dollars less. And so you can get yourself a great package. It all depends on what style of photography, though, is the big thing. So and I like Phil, I know you, you probably run around with a bunch of different lenses too in your in your cases all the time. Two. So, yeah, and it's like, it all depends on what mood I'm in for photography basically that day. Uh, if I want to take more wide angle shots, things like this, more lifestyle shots. I'll just run with my, my uh, basically lower millimeter cameras, like my 15 to 35 Nikon I'll run with because I can get some great action shots in the blind. But for my wildlife aspect, taking just photos of ducks, geese, whatever it is that I'm focused on, I run with a big honk and 600 millimeter lens. It's not the easiest thing to wield around when you're hunting in the blind and things like this. And it just doesn't work for those shots. So you just got to sort of pick what you're going to focus on for that day and sort of set yourself up that way. So and then uh, the budget, of course, is, is going to be where you're going to start, though. But uh, um, 
I, I, I just want to jump in right quick because I want to ask this question because I was looking at cameras today. What is a mirrorless camera? So D DSLR, and now there's this mirrorless camera. So you're getting above me on this one now, though. Oh, yeah? So, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm still sitting on DSLR with a, a mirror, and it's basically going to be a shutter system that's running. Again, though, I'm going to step back on that one, Damien, because... Okay, I, so... Okay, we, we don't we, need to go too much more into it. I just... It, it was yeah. more or less... Because now you brought up how technology always changes. And when I looked now, like that that D3500 Nikon that was once... 2500 bucks is now 1600 bucks and now there's this new type of camera this mirrorless camera that half the size and is three grand and i'm like what's going on here but you touched on it like those bodies that were out of your price range one time possibly are now in your price range so yeah. you know the old school little pocket like little pocket you know yeah. point and yeah. shoots it's, yeah those are mirrorless those little tiny pocket point and shoot, okay. those are mirrorless. Okay. They've now come up with like the DSLR style cameras that are also mirrorless. So it's basically, for lack of a better term, it is a giant pocket point and shoot. So you've got the ability to, you know, make all these adjustments, control all these features and stuff on the camera and still you know still achieve these like magazine quality shots okay like you know basically the guts are the same as like the little pocket point and shoot just a shit ton better so, so this is not a dslr it looks like one it's a dslr style point and shoot that's yeah, probably a sony right this one is a fuji fuji yeah yeah actually this might be my old old one i have might be have my really old one Anyways, it's got a, this one actually has a mirror. And what you see here is your view, viewfinders up here. Yeah. Your lens is down here. Roger. So how does Which your, so how, does, how does your view get up to here on a DSLR? Okay. The mirror. It's a mirror. It's yeah, not yeah, a mirror. Yeah. It comes back to your eye. A right. mirrorless doesn't have those. You know what I mean? It's just, okay. Roger. And it's usually, gotcha. it's usually you're reading what, what you get here is a little screen. There's a little screen in here that reads yep. the image off the sensor. So hence okay. it's mirrorless. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Okay, Dave. Sorry, buddy. I hijacked your... Uh... Oh, no. I, I was actually hoping he'd tell me that, like, once you're comfortable going off of the auto feature and, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, that's all I was looking for, right? Now I got to go spend money. <laughs> Get off the auto feature is going to be your best friend. Learn and, and, that yeah. camera. Yeah, I've been doing that and getting, like okay it looks nice dark and then now i'm starting to play with like okay if i i'll take the same picture like i'll take it with a different iso all different times and then i'll bring it into the computer and see what i can do with the different darkness levels and the different light levels and so it's just fun right yeah one thing on that then is run manual but then run yourself auto iso yeah so it's going to correct because that iso on a fixed subject is easy. You have the time to adjust your ISO for the proper lighting. In a hunting situation, that can be a tough one. I run auto ISO for a lot of my early morning low light periods because it's gonna take that guesswork out of me. Because if I turn this way and I'm facing towards the sun, 
that's a different ISO. And when you're trying to track fast moving birds, that's a tough one. What you're going to want to work on and, and to start playing with is learning your f-stops and your shutter speed, basically. So your shutter speeds, the, the higher the number, the faster that's going to be running that shutter. So if you want to basically be shooting, say, a flying duck, and you want to freeze frame that bird, you're going to run your IS or your, your shutter speed basically 1400 to 1600 is going to be a crisp freeze frame type of shot. You turn on your sink, you take a picture of that water flowing. You can pretty much stop that water mid frame. If you want though more light availability in your camera, you're going to have to run a, a slower shutter speed and a higher f-stop. Your f-stops actually you know, what's going to be controlling like how much light is basically going to be coming in there. Your aperture. Low light periods, you're going to be running like 2.4 to hopefully five at the highest f-stop. That range is gonna get you a lot of light availability, but if you're running high shutter speeds combined with that, it's gonna produce a dark image then, or it's gonna be blurry, those kind of things. So there's always a very fine line on your ISO, your shutter speeds and your f-stop. And it basically all works together. Yeah. So the the higher or the lower your ISO, the crisper your shots are going to be. So if you're having to run again low light periods, if your ISO is screaming high, like twenty five thousand, when you get home, that picture is going to be very very grainy. Whereas if you ran a four hundred, basically ISO, so you slowing that down, you run a low f stop so that you're letting the most available light in. You have to slow that shutter speed down. And that's why a lot of these waterfowl photographers, any early light periods, you're going to be running almost on a tripod and, and you need your subjects to stay still. And, and that's a tough one when it comes to hunting, but that's what makes our waterfowl hunting photography and any kind of hunting photography that much more of a challenge is mm -hmm. we're in conditions that are not proper or adequate for real high quality photos, at least in the sense of making them easily high quality photos. Because again, we have a lot of challenges we're faced with. We're not in a light room with full light. You can white meter everything. You're on the fly when it comes to hunting photography. And that's what really is challenging it. And also makes you want more is the fact that when you get an image that's proper and you went, you adjusted everything and it actually worked out, it's that light bulb that clicks and gets you even more hooked on it. But a lot of those shots and like, I, I post a lot of long exposure shots because I find those the most fun and some of the most challenging shots out there. Like those scenes where everything's pitch dark. I have a million stars out there and there's my buddy holding a decoy behind the scenes. He's holding that decoy in place, not moving for a good minute and a half kind of thing, two minutes on some of these shots. And so it's like, I just, I always laugh though, because behind the scenes is what kills me on all this stuff. You know, that Instagram versus reality. And it's like, yeah, I'll post that photo. It looks really cool. There's that big light streak going by in the darkness, those kind of things. But it's behind the scenes. I, I look at that phone and I just laugh because I go, that's my buddy running around like an idiot with a headlamp on his head at three, four in the morning, running through a field in circles while I'm telling him what to do behind the camera. And I'm just like, man, this stuff just kills me. But that's what gets me going even more is, is seeing that end result and then remembering what went into it is uh, what helps drive it there. So it's uh, a lot of challenge, but a lot of fun. And you get to laugh at your friends and have photo proof of it forever. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and public shaming is always the best. That's it. Dave, and going back to your whole idea of like when do you when would you need to upgrade and whatnot, and still going along with what Corey was talking about. Uh in your photography, if you start approaching those fringe areas that are harder to get shots and you find your camera is not capable, you can easily spend money to get into those areas with a more capable camera. There's cameras out there that are, the bodies are 20, 15, 20 grand. If you want to spend that money, it's going to be very capable in those mm -hmm. low light situations. Right. But how far do you go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, are you a weekend warrior or do you want to make a life out of that kind of thing? And, uh, or just sit right in between that and just spend a lot of money, but hide all those photos under your mattress. Just, just flex. Like I got this camera. I haven't taken a picture with it yet, but it's $50,000. <laughs> yeah. <000, laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, it's all about flexing. It, yeah. it is all about the flex, which brings me to our final point for the evening. And that is, um, if anybody has managed to stick around and listen to this far into the show, uh, I applaud you because there was yeah, there was a good there was a good five minutes there where Phil was going on about fucking gun maintenance that I'm sure nobody really wanted to hear about. But anyways, um, but if you have stuck around this line, here's our last topic, and and it's something because we Dave and I have been receiving messages. God love them for all these helpful helpful people in social media land that wants us wants to help us grow the punisher waterfowl brand and for the very very low price of x dollars they will get us all kinds of likes and followers on social media and and all of this stuff to which we reply no thanks We'll go about it the old-fashioned way if there is an old-fashioned way when it comes to social media. But um, anyways, we know people do it. Um, it's easy to tell. It, it's easy for me to tell because, you know, if you're um, first light, well, you expect first light to have 600,000 people following them, right? If you're Jimbo and you've got 30,000 followers, there's probably something up with it. I just wanted to throw that out there to see if anybody had anything. Like, So I guess what I'm trying to get at, do you guys see anything wrong with paying for followers? Because I do. If you do, if you don't, no harm. I, I don't give a fuck. I just wanted to, to bring it up and something to discuss. Probably why Phil left. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, because because we've been offered this so many times through the Punisher page, I looked into it and I I'm very curious. Like, hey, what what are they actually doing here? And all it is is it's a bot that they just run on the computer and it'll interact with 150 accounts. It'll follow 150 accounts and unfollow them like two hours later, and it just keeps doing that and the premise is, is that you'll follow all these people. It'll unfollow them later. And hopefully a certain percentage of them will follow you back. The thing is, is that a lot of this stuff 
And the biggest way to look at this mathematically is you look at the mean accounts and these people, they do the follow, follow back. And then all of a sudden the bots get involved that are fake accounts to make it look good. And you can actually go online and you can see if how many, per, what percentage of your following is actually fake. There's like little indicators on that. And oh, really? Yeah. So like these social media influencers, they're now using that like, if a company wants to pick an influencer to use their stuff and in the hunting industry, it hasn't got to this yet, but in like the clothing industry and the makeup industry and all that stuff, those companies are actually using these methods to see like, do you have fake followers? Are they there for you because you're a hunter or because they like your body? Are you there for this or that? Like they're looking at, they're looking at all these metrics and it's, it'll catch up here because like some of these sponsorships and some of these, whatever you want to call them, whatever verbiage you want to use, it can be big dollars and you're representing a company. You got to represent them properly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's all I got to say. That's well, right. I, I, I follow some of the blurriest photographers out there that I'm pretty sure they use potatoes for camera lenses and they still have 10 plus thousand followers. Yeah. I'm just like, you're not fooling anybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there's, there's, I look at some of the, the best photographers out there for waterfall and they have 2000 followers. It, it, again, yeah. it, it's all on what you strive for and, and really what is, what is your end goal? I guess some people, they need those followers. They, they right. need to have the, the most out there, even if they're all bots and they bought them, I guess they sleep better at night myself. I don't care. Well, follow me. I like it. That's cool. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm never going to pay for it. That's money I can And I guess that's, that's what I was just going to say. Like, I, I would, like, I like the fact that there's people following the social media pages. Like, I, I do. I, I like, and and because we're small enough now, like, every person that, that follows us, well, I go check out their page, right? And, and if it's something that interests me, well, then I'll follow it too. But, um, and I'm, we're at that point where we're just small enough where every single person comes in, we, we sort of kind of check them out. Um, but when Dave talked about, you know, now you're starting to see some of these big corporations and these big clothing, makeup, whatever um, lines. Now they're, they're starting to figure out a way. And Dave, you touched on something with regards to how podcasts um, you sent it in the chat. Uh, how podcasts, how they, how they rank podcasts now, because you're saying Apple music and Spotify is even saying to these third party people, yeah, we're not using you. You guys can't do this. We're going to do it on our own because I, I don't think you're giving out the right information. So, so when these, I guess these big companies, so in the waterfowling world, so let's say first light or, or lucky duck or, or whoever, when when these guys are are looking for um who's going to be the next person that's going to promote their brand that's going to be on their staff we all know people that listen i'm not a great fucking hunter by no means but i know a fuck ton more than a lot a lot of these people that are that are bragging about who they who they 
their their partnerships or their sponsorship or their pro staff or or whatever. So maybe you know what? Maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it'll start catching on to some of the fake accounts and the and the and the people that are just trying to embody something that that they're not. And and listen, there's no shame in in that they're not. Um, just don't pretend to be something that you're not. That's a whole lot of knots in that sentence. <laughs> so if, if you're a business and getting your name out there as a, a legit business, I know to pay for followers is one thing, but I mean, if, if, it's, if it makes good business sense to increase your follow, follower base, yeah. I, don't see, I don't see a whole lot wrong with that. It's when it's just, like you said, Joe Blow with a potato for a camera. And all of a sudden they got 8,000 followers. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see the, what, what is the point? Are, are you promoting a business or you just want 8,000 people to like your photos? But, but <laughs> it's now a business. The social media influencing is a business now. People are getting kickbacks and stuff, right? Yes. Um, that's so, right. And that, the that's bar goes crazy. higher and higher. It's $150 a month US for certain, the, the two that I looked at were $149.99 a month US. And then I looked at it, it's 16 lines of code for a computer programmer to make it. I, I counted the lines. It's like, oh, that's, and they just run the same one. Like if I did it, they'd run the same 16 lines that they do for Phil, that they do for Corey, that they do for Mark. You know, like they'd put in your keywords and that's it. So it, yeah. Fellas, as much as I love this conversation, the old phone just dinged and Philly is tired and he's got to get, and he's, <laughs> Hey, Philly's out doing the good work and pounding the streets and on patrol. You know what? You need your sleep, buds. I was pounding the roads today and doing some astronomically shitty fucking dog training this morning, which turned into a epic fucking turkey photo shoot. So Phil's tired from watching turkeys fucking all afternoon. <laughs> oh. So and, that, and that's exactly what they're doing. I literally, I legit watched two turkeys forty k this morning. Yeah. They're so, banging I so hard. Phil got tired, <laughs> right? Oh, as, as the show, I, I, I needed I needed a smoke afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> as the show was going on, I get a video from Bill Kennedy, and it's somebody doing some dog training, and he says, "Tell me what's wrong with this video." I hate that, right? Because what are your chances you're going to get it right? 50-50. So, and I and I'm still a newbie when it comes to dog training, right? So I I analyzed the the video three, four times while you guys are talking. And then I write my answer. And then he sends me something else. And I go, well, was I correct? And he was like, no, no, you were way off. (laughs) (laughs) He just didn't want to tell you you weren't listening all the time. (laughs) Uh, Well, anyways, Corey, buddy, thank you so much. We've gone over our 60 minute mark. Corey, thanks so much, buddy. I know we were, we were really all over the place tonight. Um, the, the one thing that we do, uh, at this show is, is we try to, uh, weasel our way into a hunt with our guests, um, before the show is over and something I'd like to do again with you. I know last, uh, 
Yeah. Two falls ago, we were. I was supposed to come down and hunt with you guys. Um, wasn't able to 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 make it over, and and calendars just getting mixed up and stuff like that. Please, God, I I hope that we can uh, pull it off this this fall because I'd love to get down, hang out with Andy again and Randy and you. Um, and I really would love to get down and and hunt with you and 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 see your son and and all of that good stuff. So, I, and I know and I know I'd take the boys along with me too. They'd yeah, be all just, too happy. Yeah, it's easy out here now. You just tow a trailer. I'll let you set up in my backyard. I may even let you have some free water. <laughs> Bill has a trailer. Dave has a trailer. Perfect. I got the property for it, boys. So oh, Dave got rid of his trailer two can, years ago. Oh, you can literally walk out the door and start hunting out here now. So it's That's uh, awesome. Come and take advantage of that with me, man. You guys are always more than welcome. You know that. So awesome. I don't think, it, but I don't think you realize how close I actually live near you. You just come on by, man. As I said, you guys find where I live. You're more than welcome to. <laughs> hey, don't say that, that to Dave. Dave. Dave's a nerd, and he knows yeah. stuff. He's tracking my IP address right now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. In fairness, exactly. I've by the way, access, I've got access to CPIC. Which you would never, which you would never use for personal. Hey, hey Corey. Do you want to know the day you got your driver's license? <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Dude, don't worry. That's an easy one. It was the same day I got pulled over for doing like 90 in a 50 school zone on my motorbike when I was 16. Yeah. yeah one fucking easy. job. <laughs> one job. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I, I got I to gotta cut them off. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we're out. Thanks Thanks so much for, uh, for Corey Baker for coming on. Uh, Hopefully this was what you thought it was going to be. If I not, I'm. <laughs> I knew what was getting into. That's why I pushed it off for so long. <laughs> well, guess what? There's going to be another invite coming here real soon. So, um, see you in a year. Every... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't figured it out yet, uh, God help you. But we are not experts we are just a bunch of friends that love hanging out with one another and talking about hunting and everything in between this was episode 46 of the union 0430 until next time big love